This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. We're in Psalm 81, and this psalm is, is really called uh, to repentance for Israel, and it brings up some issues, but it also goes back to the familiar story, well, the most important story <clears throat> in the Old Testament that all stories spring from, and the purpose of what God is doing, and that is that is uh, choosing his people, and uh, them choosing to, uh, them going into Egypt, and then coming enslaved by the world, being delivered, and then... Uh, delivered out of Egypt through the blood of the uh, spotless lamb and then through the waters of the Red Sea and meeting with God, uh, coming to know his, his nature and in many ways rejecting intimacy with him and then entering into the promised land, the generation that uh, came after that one. And these things are, that story is the overarching story of the Old Testament. And it is a important, it is important that you understand and see that, see that picture as the picture of God's work in the New Testament believer's life. All those, all those happenings and events that are true in history, but also events that are true in your own personal life and how God deals with you and how God deals with us. And on this Wednesday morning, we're going to do a little bit of reading through the book of Psalms. He says, sing aloud to God our strength. Make joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Now, it's it's important that when you, whenever you read the word Jacob, you understand that is Jacob's worldly or fleshly name. His spiritual name is Israel. And so whenever you read Jacob, rather than Israel, then then you understand that God is pointing to us living in this earthly, fleshly, uh, struggling with sin, struggling with being separated from God, that that part of our lives. That's what that's what he's dealing with. And, and notice he says, sing aloud to, to God our strength, make joyful shout to the God of Jacob. And and even though we're not spiritually full, complete, mature, God still wants us to come and worship Him. One of the fallacies, one of the one of the things that people who who didn't grow up in church or didn't maybe have not ever spent a lot of time in church, they think in order to get to God, you've got to fix yourself. And that's also one of just one of the main fallacies of just in general that somehow you have to to make yourself okay with God in order to enter into his presence. And the reason that's a fallacy and the reason that's an issue is because you can't make yourself okay with God. That's what religion tries to do. Religion tries to make you okay with God. Christianity or or the way or what we are uh, experiencing with God right now is not religion because God is not demanding that we make ourselves uh, a certain way to be okay with him so that we can have a relationship with him. He does the work of making us 
uh, right with him. He does the work of paying for our sins. He does the work of providing us faith. He does the of calling us and, and bringing us to him. He does all the work and we assent to it once we realize that he's calling us. We, we give into it. We come to him once we realize that he's made a way for us. And that's not religion because we're not doing anything to be okay with God. We're doing what we're doing because God has made us okay with him himself. He is, he's finished that work. And that work is not a partial work. It is a complete work. And then we join him in the process of life, which is the salvific process, where he is changing us into his image and his likeness. He's changing us into his will. And, his. and so understanding that, getting that, that basic principle down, uh, frees you. It frees you in the midst of your troubles and sins and struggles to actually worship God. It, it, you can come and worship God in the midst of absolute failure. You can come and worship God in the midst of absolute rebellion. You can come and worship God in the midst of absolute turmoil and devastation in your life. Why? Because he made the way for you to come. Now, uh, once you get there, you're going to be changed by him. And if you're not being changed by him, if you're where you're not being changed by him, there's probably uh, a couple of things wrong. First of all, you're hard-hearted, and even though you're coming, you're just coming for God to fix your situation, and you're not coming for the relationship that he actually made for you to have. You're not coming for that purpose. You're coming for him to solve your problems rather than coming for him to be in the midst of your problems and solving you and in the process giving you his best. You're not doing that. You're not doing what he died and prepared for you. Another reason you might be not experiencing a whole lot when you come to worship is there may not be a whole lot of God's word being taught. And if there's not a lot of God's word being taught, in fact, if there's not, if God's word is not the focal or center point of what's being done, well, then there's just a strong likelihood that you're not going to experience him because he speaks to by and through his word, which is the full revelation of his son. He's not going to push his son aside to speak to you after his son has done everything for you to be there. He is, he's going to use, he use, he, he, he in, empowers the finished work of Jesus Christ. He empowers that work so that you can be there in his presence. But he's not going to throw Jesus away to have a relationship with you. And so we oftentimes, when we're in a place where God's word's not being taught, then people begin to imagine God as he's not rather than, rather than being taught who God is by how he's revealed himself. I, I didn't write the, the, the Bible and I have no place to, to change it or to make it, uh, make it my own, as it were. People say that all the time. I'm just going to make this my own. You can't make God your own in the sense of uh, make him in your own image because that's not God. That's you trying to make yourself. He says, raise a song and strike a tremble. Uh, a, tim a timbrel, not a tremble. See how I took that R and just put it right at the front. At ra raise a song and strike a timbrel and the pleasant harp with the, and all these instruments sound a lot of fun to play. Uh, highly unlikely that I could ever do that. Blow the trumpet at the time of the new moon, at the full moon or a, a, a solemn feast day. And, and he's talking about the different feasts and, and the feasts were a celebrations of God and times to come and meet with God. He says, and, and so the, all the, all this worship 
is centered around, all this uh, singing, all this playing of music is centered around coming together to meet with God. It says, for this is a statute of Israel, law of God, of the God of Jacob. Now notice he's moved in. Once we've had that relationship with him, once once we've realized that we've got it and we've come to him, not on our terms, but on his terms. That's what surrender means. Surrender means I surrender uh, my will to his will. I, I come uh, with my and assent to the terms of, of the victorious forces and the victorious forces are God's forces. And so I don't come, I don't come on my own terms. I come on his terms. He says, for this is a statute of Israel, a law of God of Jacob. This is, this he established in Joseph as a testimony. Notice Jacob comes in, 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 in the, uh, in the, uh, sin of the world. Jacob is a picture of, of, in fact, the word Jacob means thief or swindler. And God has his promises carried out in Jacob's life so that he becomes Israel. And then his son, Joseph, is a testimony of his life change and the things that have happened in him. When he went throughout the land of Egypt, where I heard a language and I did not understand, notice that he lived among a people that did not know God or worship God. He said, I removed his shoulder from the burden. Notice he's unloading us from the struggles of this world. His hands were freed from the basket, means I freed him to be able to be powerful and mighty before him. You called in trouble and I delivered you. And there's the key here in verse seven. He called, We called in trouble and there was deliverance to be had. And that deliverance was provided by God. He said, I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribeth. Notice that wilderness experience and that wilderness experience on the mountaintop and that wilderness experience at Meribah where they found the bitter waters. It says, hear O my people and I will admonish you. Notice he's about to, he's, notice when you come to meet with God, God is in the business of changing you. So many times I hear people say, I just want to go to church where I'm comfortable. Wow, wow. That's just an absolute lack of understanding of what we're doing at church. If the purpose of you going to church is for you to be comfortable, then you don't want to meet with God because God is uncomfortable. Can you imagine going to meet the president of the United States or going to meet uh, a famous person, a, a very wealthy person, how people fret over what they're going to wear, what they're going to say, how they're going to greet him? I think about the movie Godfather. One of one of his at the wedding in the fir- very first movie, there's this big guy who's a he's a killer, he's a murderer, but he's about to have his moment with the Godfather, uh, and he's sitting outside and he's just going over and over exactly what he's going to say when he goes in to meet with him. He's fretting over meeting with him. What I'm talking about is earthly. Now, now when we move to the level of you're going to meet with Almighty God, I, I don't think that meeting with Almighty God is a comfortable experience. It may be a joyful experience. It may be an exciting experience. It may be a powerful experience, but it is not a comfortable sit in your seat and relax experience. And if it is where you're at, you ain't doing it, okay? If where you're sitting each day, each Sunday is a place of comfort and a place of of just sitting there and just experience of relaxation, then you're not meeting with God. Just straight up, you ain't meeting with God requires, meeting with God requires 
a, a change of the person who's coming into his presence. And change is never comfortable. We, we all like everything to be the same way it used to be, but it's not. And worship is exciting, joyful. People come, God wants us to enter his gates of thanksgiving and enter his courts of praise. He, he wants us to be excited about coming to meet with him, but he, he, that meeting is not going to be a, just a, a, a relaxing experience. This is not vacation. Sun, Sunday worship is life-changing and it is meant to be life-changing and the attitude of the people who show up need to be attitude of God changing their hearts and hopeful and prayerful that there'll be great change in the hearts of the people around them so that the people around them can have God's best. He says, hear me, O my people, and I will admonish you. And admonishment's not always a bad, always a terrible thing. It's not always an awful thing. In fact, most of the admonishment that God gives you, you already know you need to be admonished for. You need that, that, that part of you to be changed. If I go to a doctor and I have an issue with my ankle and it just is hurting and it's got a spot that's protruding and I'm just struggling with my ankle, then if he doesn't check my ankle, if he doesn't look at my ankle, if he doesn't check to see what's making it hurt, and maybe even he might even cause it to hurt a little bit just so he can know where the pain is, if he doesn't do that, is he really a doctor? No, he's just somebody I want to talk to and maybe discuss tangentially and superficially my ankle problem. I don't want the doc, if, if I walk in to see a doctor about my ankle and he doesn't take me, tell me to take my boots off, we got a problem. He ain't a doctor. Well, if I come to meet with God uh, to know him and to be changed by him and he doesn't change me, well then we got a problem. And the problem is most likely, no doubt about it, God is in the business of changing hearts and minds. God's in the business of making life anew. God's, remember, not the life of old, life anew. And so if God's in that business, then he's going to be, by definition, changing things. And one of the things he's going to do is point out what's wrong and then point out how to make it right. And that's going to involve admonishment. He says, oh, people, hear, oh, people, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign God among you. Notice, you can't be worshiping God and worshiping someone else. What fellowship does God have with the prophets, with the Baal gods, or Baal, or what fellowship does light have with darkness? He says, there shall be no foreign gods among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. Notice, don't have them around you, and don't worship them. Stay away from them. Don't chase after the things that are, are the foreigners worship. You worship what God has placed in your heart. And you say, well, who's the foreigner? The foreigner is those who do not know our God. And that's not a race and it's not a people from a certain place because Christian, there are Christians all over the world. That's people who are foreign to the kingdom that, that we're, we're a citizens of. And that's the kingdom of God. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Notice, he says, I am telling you how I made myself your God. I delivered you from the world. These, I'm giving the, the Old Testament picture and the New Testament application. He says, I am the Lord your God. I delivered you out of Egypt. He, he's saying to you, I am the Lord your God. I delivered for you from this world of sin and death, this valley of death that you're living in. Open your mouth wide and I'll fill it. Notice what he's saying. You come to me and you receive sustenance from me. 
and not from someone else and not from another God. And you don't receive your sense of purpose and your passion. You don't receive your future from someone else. You receive it from me. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice. He told them to come so that he could be their source of fulfillment. And what did they do? They did not do it. That Israel would walk in my ways. He, he says they wouldn't listen and they wouldn't walk in his ways. And that goes back to, uh, are you a person who is regularly coming to meet with God to be changed? Or are you a person who's coming to do, to do a duty or, or to be entertained on Sunday? Sunday worship is by definition and should be participatory, okay? That means we participate in it. We are a part of the work of God that day. We're not a, a, a casual observer. We're an active participant. He said, the people would not heed my voice. They wouldn't listen. Israel would have none of me. And boy, you say, how do I know when I'm with the people who will have none of me? I'm going to tell you, the first thing, the very first thing, and I've taught my daughters this, and it makes them very difficult to deal with probably sometimes. But if you on Sunday morning, you stand up preaching, my daughters are in your in your congregation and you don't use the word, they are not going to like it. If you're in Sunday school with them and you have a Sunday school lesson and it don't have anything to do with the Bible, they are not going to like it. I just That's just the way they are. Uh, and the reason is because their daddy taught them that everything and all good things start with Jesus because he is our gift from Almighty God. And, and all good things start with him. And everything that we need to know about God, he has revealed to us. And he has provided us uh, a living remembrance of him, his own word. And he has given us the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts about that. And if, if, it, if what you are doing on Sunday morning doesn't have anything to do with God's word, then you can be assured you are going to be among a people who will have none of God. He says, he said, they would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart. I notice that stubbornness, that stiff-neckedness, that hard-heartedness, that, 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 those phrases keep coming up over and over again in, in Scripture. That hard heart, that stubborn heart, that the rebellious people. Why, don't, why won't they have none of me? Because they walk in their own counsels. They live their life according to their own ways and their own counsel. And here's the truth. Don't you hear me? You can either live your life according to God's counsel or you can live your life according to your counsel. You say, aren't there other counsels out, out there? Absolutely. You hear the world and then you take it on as yours and you make it a part of your life and so it becomes your counsel. Or you hear God's word and his counsel and you chase after that. Those are really the only two, two choices. Those are the only two choices. You receive the counsel of the world and you make it your own or you hear the counsel of God and you chase after that. And to what they walk in their own counsel because they refuse to walk in the counsel of God because they refuse to make the word of God the preeminent part of what they do when they're dealing with God. And, and, and therefore, they make God in their own image. They, make, they worship uh, God as if God was them. And, and there have been many denominations and there are many churches on Sunday morning today who do that all the time. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. Notice, oh, they would, how do I listen to God? Well, I, I read what he speaks. I read what he gave me. 
He said, I would uh, soon subdue their enemies. Notice, if they just do what I asked them to do, I'm going to subdue their enemies. I'm, I'm going to turn my hand against their adversaries. He says, the haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. Notice, they, they would even feign like they were giving up, but I would make sure that their control and their power over you was destroyed forever. He, he would have fled them also with the finest of, he would feed us with the finest of wheat meaning he's going to provide the physical needs of our life, the very best of our life, but he's also going to provide, because wheat and bread represent his word, he's going to give us the best of counsel, the best of advice, the best of direction. He said, and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. Notice, he's going to give us not only the best, but he's going to get the sweetest of his, the very, very rich and best of what he has. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.